after the success of our first virtual coaches training and people wanting to know if we're going to be doing another one, I've decided, yes, let's do this. Coming up on July 8th, I'll be hosting another virtual coaches training and Q&A. We'll start off talking about a variety of different training techniques to implement at your practices. The first time you set up a drill, they're just learning how the drill works. If you were to just set up the same exact drills you did last time, you would see how much more productive it is. It's called getting better at getting better. So what you want to do is come in, set up the same drill and go, hey guys, we're going to do the same thing we set up last time and watch, well, one, they'll set the drills up a lot faster, but they have that familiarity with it and they're going to be able to get better at getting better. Not to mention, we'll also talk about the things that you want to talk about. Sonia, go ahead and give us your thoughts on the training. I just thought the opening with the quiz questions alone was a good way to evaluate myself as a coach and look at my perspective. Every question I ask myself, do I actually do this? Can I do this? How will I do this? The discussion in the training just gave me new ideas and ways to implement a practice and I'm hoping that it will show useful throughout the season. So just thanks so much for the timing of the training and really appreciate your help. Guys, sign up now. Like last time, I want to keep the group small so it's super beneficial to everyone on the call. So first come, first serve, link in the show notes. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin, where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up and tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. Guys, this has been a long time coming, long overdue. I'd like to introduce everyone to my former roommate from Varsity U, Corey Rickett, everybody. It's true. Wow. <laughs> Corey, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show, man. How you been? Good. I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be here. We've talked about this for how long now? I'm just so excited to be here and talk about yeah, man. tumbling with you guys today. Dude, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've been, you know, it's great because we talk, you and I talk tumbling, you know, a decent amount. Not like all the time, all the time, but at least once a summer for the last oh, however yeah. many years, you know, we'll hop on a call, talk tumbling. You'll get me all, you know, ready to go. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to talk the summer now. So, um, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to do it for the people right now. So, yeah, dude, I'm super excited. But you know, besides being my roommate at Varsity U, my sister's old teammate, you know, tell the people who you are and the different hats you wear in the industry. Well, my name's Corey Rickett. Um, I'm currently up at Cheer Sport Sharks all the way up in Canada, but I'm from the States originally. So over at Sharks, I coach the majority of the world's teams at our main location. So Great Whites, Great Reefs, and Star Spotted, um, on top of being one of the main tumbling instructors there. And then last season, I became their director of team success at that program. Um, I've spoken at conferences all over the world. Uh, my most recent one was down in Colombia, which was absolutely incredible. The South American cheer industry is booming and growing. Those coaches are phenomenal. Um, I do choreography as well. I was the choreographer for Team Germany uh, two years ago as well as choreography in-house for sharks, as well as out. Um, I also do stunt choreography, 
which people don't really know about. Um, I worked with uh, Lisa and Kenny with Spring for a very, very long with them and learned so much about the industry and what happens and what goes on. And also learning from the best in the industry through them has been phenomenal. So yeah, yeah that's about the extent of what I do. <laughs> there, there you go, man. <clears throat> All right. So let's, uh, let's dive in. You got letters Q through U. So a good sell. I actually really like these letters. So, um, you know, you're going to be really helpful to a lot of coaches out there. So let's start off. Let's start off with Q and let's go quality versus quantity. How do you balance the two? You know, that's such a good question in our industry. Um, I personally came from gymnastics where quality takes time to harvest. I always say cheerleading is like a microwavable dinner at times. No, we want a beautiful Salisbury steak. We're in gymnastics. We can find the best ingredients. We can take time to build that steak to perfection, the best cut, the best ingredients. But then we come over to cheerleading and that quality should taste the same, should look the same, but it has to be done a lot faster with a lot more athletes in front of you. And that balance is hard sometimes, especially when you're putting out quality and quantity, stretching, flexibility, your strength, your awareness, especially with your athletes, go such a long way. And that's going to create the quantity and the quality together that you want. Don't just jump forward into a hard skill or expect repping a skill 5,000 times is going to create the quality and the quantity that you want. You do have to take time to slow down and focus on the three main aspects, that awareness, the strength, and the flexibility, how you're going to balance out your athletes. So as long as we're focusing on those three things, that quality and quantity, they can go hand in hand, but you do have to make some sacrifices here and there sometimes, knowing that your quality may suffer if you push for high in quantity, or your quantity might suffer if you focus on hard quality. Take the time to harvest your kids correctly. Let them build that strength, that flexibility, that awareness, and master a skill. So we're able to go out and perform that skill with optimal quality. There we go. All right. Um, real quick, Dyke, just real quick throwing it out there for you just touch on awareness real quick you threw that word out a couple of times so just awareness what do you mean by that i feel like in our industry a lot we focus on the strength and the flexibility of our athletes quite a bit but when we think about tumbling we kind of have them on a balance so strength and flexibility should be on the left and right side of that scale but what holds strength and flexibility flexibility together is the awareness of that athlete and every athlete goes through different stages of awareness so you've got proprioception, you've got spatial awareness, you've got um, overall awareness and just, just being aware of your senses. That's a big thing. And you're going to see kids from the age of three to about six have a different awareness style than an athlete that's six to 10, six to 11, and then a different awareness style from 11 to 18, where they're really building in high end sense. So to break down those big words, spatial awareness is being aware of of what's around you in space. So that is, where are my limbs? Am I aware of what I'm going to touch? Where am I in rotation? Where is the floor? Which is very important for rotational skills like tucks, layouts, pull. Your proprioception, so that's spatial, knowing where I'm at in the air. Your proprioception is knowing really how quick you're going, how high you're going. Where is my block without seeing? It's kind of using your peripheral vision and knowing that i don't have to physically see something to know that it exists and that it's there dude great stuff man all right here we go 
let's move right along to R for round off. So talk to me about a round, talk to me about the round off. And if you have anything we should really particularly focus on, you know, let's talk about it. So the round off R. Handstands, 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 handstands. They are the least focused skill in our industry and the most hit skill in our industry. Every skill that we do in tumbling passes through a handstand. And for a round off, especially having speed and power and force behind that movement, if you're not able to hit a handstand shape, it's very hard to create a good round off. So when we're breaking down this round off, we want to look at beginning, middle, end. Break your skills down to the three main pieces. So at the beginning, is your athlete running? Are they fast? Are they quick into that entry? Is their hurdle strong? Are they driving their arms up? Going through a good passe, do they hit a strong lunge, reaching into a great lever position, keeping that line nice and flat? Are they turning over in their hands really aggressively, keeping their head through that armpit, looking to a good handstand shape to be able to block off their hands and to turn those hips over? And then finally, snapping through, a round off can hit that floor in three different areas. You're going to come all the way through, which is very hard, into a strong connection shape. You're either going to land directly under yourself which kills your power, which causes the knees to bend and also a gainered skill? Or are you going to block behind you or create a deep strike angle, which allows you to set? So when we're breaking through those round off pieces, make sure you're looking at every single phase of that round off to make sure the athlete is generating the correct turnover, the correct strike angle, but also is entering it really well. Your round off sets up your major skills and nine times out of 10, I've got athletes that do a full whip doubles and full punch Arabian throughs and Arabian splits. We're focusing on the round off. It's not these big skills. We're focusing on that entry piece. Dude, absolutely love it. Give me your give me your favorite round off drill. Let me just give me your favorite round off drill for speed. So for a good round off drill for speed, I like to do what's called like a heel sweep cartwheel. So what I'll do if you're a lefty cartwheel, I'll have you stand only on your left leg. And we'll put your right leg up in the air in front of you in an L position. So that right leg is in line with your hip. And you're going to drive that heel back, your right heel back, as hard as you physically can, turning over in your cartwheel. And then once you get to the top of that cartwheel, you're going to allow that right leg to freeze and sweep your left leg back through, landing back on the leg that you started with. So we're working on that heel drive. A lot of what we do in tumbling, what a lot of our kids do is they focus on their stomach and their core how they're squeezing the front end of their body. But really when we tumble, we're looking at the back of the body. We're looking at their lats, we're looking at their glutes, their hamstrings, their calves, their traps, all the way up to the back of their shoulders. And that tends to be the weakest part of an athlete's body is their back, especially in cheerleading. I just don't think we take enough time to develop that. So when we're focusing on the back end of their body and making them focus on those arch ups or the heel drives, that's gonna create that turnover, especially in that style of a drill. Um, a lot of times too, I love to tumble up wedges to create speed and power, focusing on really pushing through their lunge and reaching out long, that long stretch to the hands, especially up a wedge will help create a bigger block off their shoulders and off their hands to allow them to turn over faster. I know you said one drill, but honestly, it's the handstand at the top too, that is really affected by everything that we do. Athletes tend to not hit handstands at the top of their round off. Their feet come together at the very last second, and now we've killed any of that speed or technique that we've built up at the beginning of the skill. There we go. Dude, I love it. 
Corey, you're killing it so far. Here we go. Now let's <laughs> move on to S. We had a couple different uh, options here. I wasn't sure what direction to go in. We have speed, we have sets, we have shapes. But today, since we already started talking about speed in the round off, let's continue with speed. My kids are slow tumblers. We need to be fast tumblers. Corey, we need to speed up. You know, help, help a brother out. You know, Jason, this comes down to like being able to run. Have you ever seen your kids at the gym try to run, Jason? <laughs> like some of them can't run. <laughs> I had yeah. this, this epiphany a few a few years ago. I asked the kid, I said, hey, I want you to run corner to corner. Kid looked at me all crazy. No joke, this kid had her arms behind her back, chest forward, running like she was breaking into Area 51. I said, what in the world is going on? <laughs> like there, there. I, I, I was this craziest thing. I said, "Girl, if you trip, you fall down. You're gonna stand up looking real funny. We don't want to see you falling down on that floor." <laughs> so, like, even just getting them to run first is so important. Like, getting their arms to swing, knowing that ninety degree in the elbow is important for running. Picking their knees up. Gosh, it's like sometimes they're running with their shoes untied. I feel. Like they don't want to lift up their knees or stepping on laces. Mm -hmm. It's it's wild, but mm -hmm. that's that's the generation of kids that are growing up. It's it's more active on a screen. It's more web based compared to like our generations where we grew up outside. I remember going to recess and playing Foursquare, mm -hmm. or you know running and playing football or something outside playing dodgeball. Mm -hmm. Our kids aren't doing that. Heck, even I know they don't play it now, but like Red Rover. You were running in Red Rover. You ran through Red Rover. And these kids aren't playing that game anymore. Anything that, that's physical and that fast sense. So I'd say, you know, if we're looking at speed, make sure your kids are running. Because that is crazy to see that. The next is a hurdle. Knowing how to hurdle and keep their chest in that line pulling forward. Um, recently on TikTok, I saw a video of people, older individuals, trying to skip. And they're like, my body doesn't remember how to skip. Have you seen those on TikTok? Jason, the skipping videos. Mm -mm. Oh my God. I'm not. So my, my wife, Taylor, she's also a coach. She showed me this video of these people trying to skip and they, they forget how to skip. Skipping is a learned ability. And it's, it's Jason, it's hilarious. You're going to have to take about an hour of your day to go watch it because <laughs> you're going to get just, it's going to suck you in as they always do, but it's, it's hilarious. But kids too don't know how to skip. So my younger athletes, especially my level one, my junior kids in our lines, we skip down the line and we do it forward. We do it backwards. We just skip, 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 skip. We might run, 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 skip. And we call it a skip. We're not calling it a hurdle. And the reason why I don't call it a hurdle is I need them to correlate movements. So a skip is a hurdle. Our line might be a little bit different. Our arms might be a little bit different. We're driving our chest forward, but primarily you're skipping your body. Um, to create good speed in our skills, we have to look at shoulders. We have to look at hips of our athletes. So you carry weight in two parts of your body, your shoulders and your hips. If you're a female athlete or you're a coach coaching a female, they're holding their weight primarily in their hip, in their bum. For a male, we're holding our weight primarily in our shoulders. So if our shoulders go forward, our body's going to compensate with our hips. They work together. So when we create that speed, we're looking at shoulders, we're looking at hips and how they're driving into that line. So everything we do, if we're going forward to create that speed and power, we're driving that shoulder in front of our hips. Same for a female athlete, we're leaning forward. I think one of my favorite pictures ever taken, it happens every year at uh, the USA Gymnastics Nationals or even at the Olympics, 
is an athlete going into their hurdle for a tumbling pass. Uh, one of my favorite pictures is Simone Biles going into her round off. Her angle and her line is so far forward that you know if she didn't take that long stride out into her lunge and reach out long, she was going to eat it on her face. That's why she did not run into Area 51. Her arms are up <laughs> by her ears. She was driving out long. Um, so that line, that stretch, so important. Heel drive that we talked about, so important as well, making sure they can get their feet off that floor. Arch-ups, strength in the back, flexibility of their legs, their groin, their glutes. Really important to drive a lineup. Um, also, and I keep saying it, handstands. Make sure your athletes know where that handstand shape is to turn over. If we're looking at that round-off entry, nine times out of ten, we see a round-off and our athlete is arched. Like, Jason, have you ever done that with your kids, like, recorded just their round off back handspring, even, like, your upper-level kids going into, like, their fulls and doubles? Mm -hmm. And you see the top of that round off. Yep. Fully arched. And then, nine times out of ten, that athlete is like, well, what happened to my full? What happened to my double? Why did my set go backwards in my tuck? It happened right there. We didn't have a handstand shape when you entered your round off. So because you were wrong at the beginning, how can you be correct at the end? you're not it's a domino effect mm -hmm. so that's really important um last thing with the round off going in for speed watch the hand placement i'm seeing a lot of issues with athletes now turning their hands out sideways and if their hands are turned out kind of their fingers facing away from their shoulders you're now compromising the elbow but you're also creating a very poor block through the shoulder which will not allow them to block and get their hands off that floor or turn over fast enough to create a really good reach into that handspring. Um, continuing on with speed, yeah. strike angle of feet. Are they getting their feet in front of their body, in front of their hips, in front of their shoulders? So think about the feet, the hips, and the shoulders kind of like a staircase. The feet should be in front of the hips. The hips should be in front of the shoulders. We should be leaning back, and if at any time our hips break, our shoulders lean, we bend our knees. Now we've created an incorrect staircase that's not generating force and power going backwards. Dude, there we go. Corey, killing it, moving right along. We've got T for tumble track. So uh, tell me, we have a tumble track in our gym. How should we be utilizing the tumble track? So I came from the gymnastics world. We call these fast tracks. Not really a tumble track. I grew up with the term fast track. I was very fortunate enough as an, a child. I told you I came from the gymnastics world where I had phenomenal coaches. I had a chance to train under Bart Connor and Nadia Comaneci for a while. Um, and then I moved to New York and worked with uh, Doug Van Everen, who was the head coach of the West Point men's gymnastics team, as well as Carmen Gilgano, who was the assistant coach there and have done phenomenal things for that men's gymnastics program there. They were my, my coaching mentors. And the biggest thing they always told me is this is a fast track. And you should think of it as such. The skills that you're working up there are for speed and power to generate a little bit more. Some things I want, especially like my younger coaches that might be on this, remember, never, ever, ever do a slow skill on a tumble track. That would be front walkovers, back walkovers, falling to bridges, handstand to bridges. None of that really should be done on a tumble track or a fast track. 
that's actually setting you up for an injury with your athlete. You got to remember, you're on a bouncy surface. If I'm reaching back into a bridge, my arms hit that tumble track. Where are my arms? Are the, is my elbows in a strong line? Am I going to resist correctly? Or am I going to get injured doing that still? Most, most of the time, as athletes are going to get injured up there. So when we think about tumble track, think about it like a nice, quick, fast track. Your round off handsprings, your touch, your lays, your pulls. Focus on strike angles. One of my favorite drills on a tumble track is to put a mat down, a nice, like, tiny crash mat, like a, a six-incher, maybe a little bit skinnier, sometimes like a sting mat. Have the athlete start in the middle of that, do a standing handspring on it, rebound forward, hollow those hips, and land on their back in a hollow shape. That way, they're mm -hmm. thinking about a nice, quick, beautiful back handspring, blocking behind them, pulling those hips up, and staying in a nice, beautiful shape. That shape is so, so important. I, I just saw that on your story like a day ago or like on one of your reels a, a day ago. I was like, okay, there we go. I'm going to try that next practice. You know, it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's, it's just about that awareness of shape. And I, I won't lie. That's, that's really a staple drill that I use. And I variate that so much with my kids. It's, it's a good one, Jason. It's a good one for any, anything. Those tucks, those lays, those folds, those doubles, that that's a go-to drill. Okay, there we go. We're using it. Um, and now, speaking of go-to drills, we're at you, your final letter, you. And give me something, give me an underrated drill, a drill coaches just aren't using enough or something that you just discovered. And you're like, dude, we all need to be using this. You know, I think one of the biggest underrated drills is panel mat handstand holds. So, and I've talked about handstand mm -hmm. so much. and I do this with my kids so much. But I take a panel mat, whether it be just one small panel or I stack it up to five, six panels, and they hold this panel directly above their head and shoulders, squeezing their core to show me a proper handstand with their head in without physically going upside down. This is great. Tiny, many youth kids have a hard time holding their body weight up. They've always like shaky arms. I'm like, where's the earthquake? Because they can't hold their body weight up. They, you know, we bring these kids into our sport, and the first thing we do is say, okay, go upside down in a handstand. Why? They've never held their body weight mm -hmm. up with their arms in their life. <laughs> now we're doing it all the time. Handstands, cartwheels, bridges, back walkovers. It's just bad life choices. They're going to come up with a crooked neck. So we want them to be able to stand up tall, holding that panel mat flat on their hand, keeping that line nice and tight. Now, talking about like underrated drills, but also I would say – underutilized drills, the handstand snap down. We do that all the time. Jason, how often do you handstand snap downs in your gym? Dude, you know, back in the day, I was doing them every day. You know, back hey. when I was in there grinding. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And it's it's an everyday kind of drill. You see coaches do them all the time. But yeah, how many of those athletes are doing that handstand snap down correctly? Not many. Um, I'm going to go 1%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, not not many. And it's Wait, because, real quick. Before we yeah. go back to handstand snap down, real quick, with the handstand, the panel mat um, yes. drill, that's you do that in pairs, right? I'm I do on one side, pairs. you're on the other side with a panel mat? Yeah, so what I'll do is we can face each other and we can do it as a joint drill. So we're really balancing and we can do push and pull mm -hmm. with that too. So I'll pull the panel mat backwards behind my shoulders and the other athlete will push it forward in front of their shoulders so they can feel their shoulders close. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do the opposite. I'll push that panel mat. Yeah. And they're going to pull backwards to extend and open their shoulders. So you can do it as a pair group 
We can do it as an individual where they're holding it in line with their shoulders facing the wall. They have another little balance point to like push their nose forward as far as they can to touch the wall or just to hold it static above their head by themselves. It's kind of like, think about like a weightlifter Mm -hmm. doing like a snatch above their head. It's finding that line correctly to be able to balance that weight. The same thing in a handstand, we're looking how to balance our body. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Thank you very much. Um, I really like that open and close. I didn't even think about that where I, you know, I can open my shoulders as you close your shoulders and start feeling what those different shapes feel like. Okay. And now, and now let's get back to the handstand snap down. Okay. So yeah, my kids, we're all doing it wrong. So tell me, you know, what, what should I be looking for in my handstand snap down off my panel mat? Well, a few things. One, we want to make sure that they're getting their hands off that panel mat before their feet make contact. I would say that's the number one issue with a handstand Mm -hmm. snap down is our kids like to pike them down. They make contact with the floor and then they're like, oh yeah, I should jump or I should rebound. They're not really using yep. the lock off Okay, I'm going to say that again. They should get their hands off the panel mat before their feet hit the ground. Yes. Is that correct? Correct. There you go. All right, continue. And they yeah. should use their shoulders. And the reason why they're not, they're not able to do that is they're using their hips. They're piking. They're snapping with their stomach instead of using their shoulders and their back to create that block up. So that would be number one. And then number two, I would say is where are you expecting their feet to land? That is important. If we're doing a rebound into a set, we wanna have those feet behind and a nice flat line. And usually what I'll do is I have my athletes rebound back up to the top of the panel mat. We're trying to lift that line back up and set. Now if we're working on a connection. We're gonna try to snap as far through as we can, getting our feet in front of our hips. And when we hit that floor, we're going to rebound backwards and stretch our body out to land on our back, keeping our hips up. So we're kind of in like that long open bridge position. So will you put like a, uh, like a resi mat or like an eight inch or something behind them to land on their back? Yeah, we'll, we'll either do a crash mat or a resi mat, even like a 12 incher would be fine. Uh, a lot of times when our athletes hit a matted surface, if they're like, oh, it's so heavy, it's so hard, it hurts, because they're not squeezing their body when they make contact with the floor. So they're going to that crash mat and going, oh, I'm going to relax. And they just kind of crumble on themselves. You're going to feel more impact. You've got to be able to squeeze everything so tight that when you make impact with that mat, you don't feel any kind of impact. It's just nice and soft on your body. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Love it, man. Good stuff, dude. I, I'm telling you. We're going to have some new tumbling drills coming out this week because of you, Corey. Oh, so I appreciate can't wait it, to man. See him. Um, Corey, <laughs> dude, I, I can't wait. I'm going to tag you. So, uh, Corey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell the people, everyone who's been intrigued by you, they want to know how they can follow your journey or how they can get in contact with you to do a tumbling clinic or choreography or, or whatever the case may be. Tell the people how they can follow your journey and, and stay in contact with you. Yeah. So you can find me at Shark Coco on Instagram. I am opening up way more camps and clinics this season than I have in the last eight years. So if you are looking for something like that, please feel free to reach out at Shark Coco on Instagram. Uh, or you can find me um, through email at sharkcoco7 at gmail.com. There we go. Corey, it's been a pleasure. 
you're welcome back to the show anytime, man. Jason, thanks for having me. This was an absolute blast. Definitely was. Thanks for watching the Let's Talk to Your podcast. Definitely subscribe so you never miss out on anything from the show.